Let's pray together. Father, we have come into this place and we have we've sung about the fact that we're, we're here to praise you. Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son. We've sung of the fact that we have 10,000 reasons and more for our hearts to find reason to praise you. And we heard how we're free to worship you, free to know you, which which leads us only to love you. Because when we know you, we can't help but love you. And Jesus, we love you. Our affection and our devotion is yours. And Father, we want to please you. So allow us now to understand how we can. Understand now how this works, how your grace works to give us hope. A hope that is inspired to please you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, everyone everyone has a bad day. Every, everyone has a tough time. Everyone goes through moments and seasons and, and days when it just feels like life is not clicking. And, and it may be in us, you know, we're, we're, you know, our attitude is wrong, our focus is wrong. It sometimes, though, is the very fact that, that you know, we're focused on the right thing. It's just not happening. Maybe the friends around us are, are not encouraging us to... To, to go in the right direction, maybe culture is just overwhelming us, but but there's this this change, there's this awkwardness, there's this difficulty, there's this uh, hardness, and sometimes it's external, sometimes it's internal, and, and it's, it's as if, you know, what, what's going on, we ask ourselves, it's as if, you know, something bigger is going on that's pressing down on us. In those moments, it's so important that we remember, God never changes. His love is never less. His power is, is always there. His goodness never ceases. His plan works. And it's so easy to get down on ourselves. It is. It's so easy to get down thinking, I cannot please God. To see God, to, to lose focus, and, and then to see Him, and then to lose focus on how great He is. Like this morning, I'm telling you what can happen is, we can sing of, oh, how we love you, Jesus, and we can sing about how we can praise Him, and how we have 10,000 reasons to praise Him, and we can look in God's Word, but then it's so easy to get caught up in the stuff that's going on and begin to believe the lies of the enemy, the lie that says you can never please God, you're never enough. There's no way He could love you the way that you've just heard about and the way you've just been told about. And what the enemy wants us to do is be uninspired. But God, what God wants is He wants us to be inspired. To be inspired to please Him. But it's a, it's a sad thing when we get to the point that we honestly believe that we can't please God. Because when you get to that point, the enemy begins to say to you, just stop trying. Stop trying to please Him. When I was in the second grade, it was a, it was a, it was a terrible experience for me the first two weeks of school. I came into a classroom where a, a teacher, for whatever reason, he just didn't like me. I mean, who can't like me, right? And so he, he just got, I, it, I walked in, and immediately, this guy, I don't know if it was something I looked, I don't know if it was something maybe I said in the hall, I don't know what it was, but he like said something real derogatory and negative for me. I was like, all right, all right. So I instead of sitting in the front, I sat towards the back, and then he embarrassed me in front of the whole class. And then I said something I shouldn't have, and I got put out in the hall. And then I got brought back in, and I tried to behave, and then he embarrassed me again, and then I said something I really shouldn't have said, which led me on day one to have a conversation with our principal in his office, 
which led my father to have a conversation with me that night. It's the only conversation I can ever remember my dollar, my dad having with me about my behavior. But I got to the point by day two that I was convinced that I could not please this teacher. So I figured, hey, if he's going to make me miserable, I should do him kind. He retired two weeks later. I'm not saying it was all me, but I can tell you I was very helpful in the process because I was not hopeful. The next day, we got Mrs. Peacock, the sweetest lady on the planet, in my opinion. From the get-go, she changed the whole room. She must have known my history, so she put me right by her desk and said nothing but positive things to me. And she made it so obvious that it would be very easy to please her. I could not help myself. If you would have seen me at the end of school, as opposed to the beginning of school, you would have thought that there may have been a demon exorcism that had occurred in the process. But you know what really happened? It was very simple. I was a kid who believed I couldn't, I couldn't please this teacher, so I quit. And then I found a teacher that I could please, and I could not help but to see and to seek out that, that, that pleasure, that joy. You know, there, there's a pleasure that happens when you know that you're pleasing the one you're under authority of. It's this, it's this way for kids. When children know that they're, they're pleasing their parents, there's less anxiety and stress. There's, there's more energy because there's less, you know, just these minutia rules and, and all this stuff because there's just a freedom just to be able to talk about what's going on and because they're pleased, uh, the, the child is able just to thrive and pursue and they appreciate their parents. But, but the, the other side is also when you're not there, when you're not pleasing the one in authority, it's terrible. And there are times when, when we don't please God. And when we don't please God, it's because we're choosing to live in sin. It says here in Isaiah fifty-seven seventeen. Because of the iniquity. This iniquity is this ongoing uh, desire to turn away from God. Iniquity is not just a sin. It's just a, it's a spirit of sin that says, I'm not going to seek to please God. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and was angry. But we, he went on backsliding the way of his own heart. And that's what happens when you decide you can't and won't please God. There is this backsliding. There is this negative feeling, not only about God, but about yourself. And so you just fall into patterns. But even then, God has a plan. It says later in Isaiah 57, I've seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord. And I will heal him. God has the power to take us and transform us into people who can actually please Him. Now, the enemy wants us to believe that we can never please God. And he wants us to stop trying. God wants us to, to know His love. And for that love to give us hope. And for that hope to inspire us to believe that we can please God. And that's what our text is about today. Our text today points to the, the, the lie of Satan and to the hope of the truth of God's Word. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 1 John chapter 3. We're now in verses 19 through 22. We are in the year of hope. We're discovering what hope is, and to do that, we're going verse by verse through 1 John. And today we're in 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 22. Let's all stand together as Jax Buchanan comes up. Jax is going to read our scripture for us today. Jax, are you ready, buddy? Yeah. All right, go for it. 
By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Beloved, if, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whenever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do, not, and do what pleases Him. The Word of God. Thank you, Jax. If you would, go ahead and, and be seated. You know, this hope that God gives us is a powerful hope. It's, it's, unlike, it's unlike any kind of worldly hope, because the hope God gives, it's unique and it's powerful. I don't know if you read uh, Scotty Smith's uh, prayer yesterday, but a part of that prayer was this. Father, flood my heart with insight into hope that you have secured for us as your children. A living hope, a hope of glory, an anchor of certainty in a world in a world of ebb, ebbing and flowing chaos. The hope that God gives us is built on His mercy, not on our merit. Please get that. Our hope is built upon the work of Jesus Christ. And that work of Jesus Christ gives us hope. And this hope is unlike any other hope. It's a living hope. It doesn't die. It doesn't fade. It lives. It thrives because it is of God. And it has the power of God. And, and it gives us this, this sense of, of what is to come and an anchor of certainty. We can know, yes, the world's going to change. Our moods are going to change. Our lives are going to change. Our circumstances are going to change. Everything is going to change around us. But God never changes. His love never changes. His power never ceases. His plan never loses its purpose. God is always God. And because He has loved us and because what He has done, we can have hope. And that hope inspires us. That hope inspires us to please God. And when we please God, we have peace and joy in our hearts, the very thing we were designed by God to have. And so what we see happening in our text today is what it is like to please God and what blessings come and what it is God has inspired us to do. So take note as we look at the text this morning. Write this down. Hope is inspired to please God when we live the faith we proclaim. It's when we're living the faith that we proclaim that our hope is inspired to please God. Now, to, to again get the sense of verse 19, we need to go back to verse 18. We, we, we unpacked this last week, but let me just again read it. Little children, let us, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so, faith, when it's real, is lived in deed, that is action, and according to truth. And then it says in verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. God calls us to love in deed and truth. And indeed, God calls us to, 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 to love, not in theory, but in action. To, to actually live out what we love. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in, his lo in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The way that we live in this love is, first of all, to live in and love Jesus Christ. When we live in and love Jesus Christ, it changes who we are. 
And we're no longer depending upon ourselves. We're depending upon the power of God. And the power of God does not disappoint us because it never changes. His love never changes. And because His love is in us, we can now love others the way He has loved us with forgiveness and, and consistency. And, and we can do it in truth. Again, remember in verse 18, we are to love in action and in truth. We are not to be deceitful. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to say something is true when it's not. We can actually love in truth. Again, back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is ahead, into Christ. It is through understanding and speaking the truth. It is by acknowledging the truth. Not by saying, oh, i, I got to give myself a pass on this. I'm doing okay. It's all right. You know what? I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I know I'm not doing what I need to do, but... No, 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 no. Truth. Where are we? What's going on? What are the facts? And we are free because God loves us to deal with the facts. We can deal with the reality of what is going on. And then we can, we can live out His love. We can live out our faith. And when we live by faith, our hope is assured. And when our hope is assured, our hope is inspired to please God. There's nothing worse than living with the fear that God is not pleased with you, and there are probable consequences to your disobedience. That's a terrible way to live. This week I had to go down to Nashville, and I was in the Jeep, and so when I'm in the Jeep and I'm going to be in the interstate, I just set my cruise control to the speed limit, I put on a sermon, and I roll. I just cruise, I just go along. So I'm in the, I'm in the right lane, cars are kind of flying past me, and we get to the, the Millersville uh, portion, you know, where you come around that bend, and everybody's like slamming on their brakes. I mean, 18 wheelers like slamming on their brakes. Why? Because right at the base of that hill, there's a police officer with an interesting looking gun, right? And everybody's like, oh, no, not me. I'm just trying to get out of their way, right? They're slamming on. It's like, well, there you go. Thanks a lot. There is a comfort in simply living in obedience to God, to living our faith, to living it with love and in truth, living it out in actuality, not just in theory, actually living our faith. And when we live out our faith, we sense the pleasure of God and it gives us peace. You know what it does to our heart? What, exactly what verse 19 says. It reassures our heart. Instead of living with doubt, we live with promises. We live with confidence. It inspires us to please God even more. We, we, we live out this, this, glorious, this, this glorious truth. But it's more than that. And I want you to see this. The hope is inspired to please God when we live by truth. And, and now watch this. And not just facts. Listen, the facts don't always tell the whole story. We know this, right? The facts don't always tell the whole story. We've got to remember the truth. How many of you have seen all of the first five Rocky movies? Fact. It looked like Apollo Creed had him, right? Fact. Clubber Lang, the Russian guy. Tommy the gun. Fact, it looked like he was going to get beat. How many of you guys have seen the Lord of the Rings movies, the third one? How many of you have seen the third one? The good one. Fact, the king was at the gate. They're surrounded by the enemy. The eye is pressing down on them. Frodo is out of his mind. Sam is worn out. Golem wants to eat everybody. Fact is, it looks like this isn't going to happen. How many of you saw the first Star Wars, the very first one? You saw that one? Remember, 
the Death Star was in range of the rebel force, right? Those are all facts right there. Game over. Fact is, there was no way they were going to win. But what the truth is, is Rocky was just getting mad. Right? The truth is, Frodo just needed to get a second win to toss the ring into the, into the fire. The truth is, Luke Skywalker was still ready to drop the bomb, right? Remember, the facts don't always tell the whole story. They're still true. Here's the facts. We were dead and lost in our sin. That's a fact. But the truth is, Christ has overcome our sin. The fact of the matter is, is Jesus, God in flesh, was dead in that grave, having been crucified. That was a fact. But the truth is, God had promised that He was going to raise Him, and He was raised. That was the rest of the story. The fact is that we live in a dark world, overwhelmed and, and under the control of Satan. But the truth is, our God is sovereign, and Jesus is going to return, and He's going to restore all things. Do you understand the difference between just the facts and the truth? Satan wants us to focus on the facts. And the facts are these. We are unworthy of God. We in and of ourselves are incapable of living for God perfectly. We are inconsistent in our delight and our devotion to God. Those are the facts. But here's the truth. We have been made worthy of the name of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? The truth. We have been given Christ's righteousness. It has been credited to us by faith. Amen? Even when we lose our delight, God does not cease to delight in us. Amen? There are facts. I get it. The, the, the facts are we're ill-tempered. The facts are we have a, 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 maybe a negative upbringing. Maybe we have negative things happening in our lives. Those are all facts. The fact is, in and of ourselves, we can't please God. But here's the truth. In Christ, all things are possible. In Christ, we are redeemed. In Christ, we are we are God's chosen people who are dearly loved, never forgotten, always blessed. The truth is, God will never abandon us. The truth is, God is pleased with us so long as we are in Christ because He is pleased with His Son. And He has credited to us His righteousness and we are living in His love. And so we've got to do more than just look at the facts. Listen, God knew what He was getting when He was getting us. The text says it very clearly. It's obvious. God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. And so, listen, your heart is going to condemn you at times. The evidence is going to be there. You're going to sin. You're going to blow it. That's a fact. Some of you are right now. It's a fact. You have fallen away from God. It's a fact. Some of you don't have a relationship with God. It's a fact. But here's the truth. God loves you still. Here's the truth. There is nothing broken in this world that our, our Father can't heal with His power. That's the truth. And so we, we've, got to, we've got to live by the truth and, and not just the facts. And when we do that, our hope is inspired. Our hope is inspired to please God, which thrills our soul and gives us confidence. Write this one down. Hope is inspired to please God when we, we live with confidence in God's grace. It's not confidence in what we can do. It's confidence in what God has done. Look what it says in verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Well, look, our heart 
will condemn us if we're just looking at the facts. But if we can look at the truth, our heart will be transformed by the gospel and we will get beyond our sin and brokenness and then we will be free. We will be free. The very thing we were singing about earlier, we will be free. Again, three circles. Make sure you get this. God's design is that we be free to worship Him, that we be free to live for Him and love Him and to delight in Him. But we don't. Why? Because of sin. What does the sin create? Brokenness. Did God abandon us here? No. These are the facts. We have sinned. There are broken relationships. There's brokenness in our life. And our hearts, if left alone to just the facts, we would be condemned. We would condemn ourselves. And here's the good news. God has not left us to ourselves. God has not abandoned us to our own devices. God has not abandoned us to the facts. Instead, He has come to give us good news, the truth, that Jesus is God, and God has come in flesh to pay for our sin, to give us His righteousness, to conquer death. He is alive, and so we can repent of our sin. We can acknowledge to God, God, I'm wrong. Those facts that are stacked up against me, they're all true. But you love me, and you died for me, so please forgive me. We repent and we believe what Jesus has done. And what does that do? It sets us free to recover and pursue God's design. And it's when we are pursuing and recovering God's design that that we have this overwhelming sense of confidence. This is an important question. Where do you get your confidence? If you get your confidence in what you do, always going to be tainted with sin and it will always lead to brokenness. If you get your confidence in the gospel, the gospel being this, that God loves you, will never leave you, has forgiven you, and is alive and is working a plan in your life, then your confidence will always be true, always be strong, and you will be able to pursue and recover God's design, which is for you and I to please God. The gospel gives us hope, and that hope is inspired to please God. And and it gives us this overwhelming sense of confidence that, that we can do that because of what Christ has accomplished. So if your confidence is in you and your circumstance and how smart you are and how strong you are and your looks and all the things that you can do, your confidence sooner or later will be broken. It will be broken. But if your confidence is in Christ, Christ won't be broken. Christ can't be beaten. He has defeated sin. He has conquered death. And if your confidence, if our confidence is in Him, and we're living to love Him, it changes everything. Because we love Him, we obey Him. And in that obedience, we are free to please Him, which gives us great joy, great peace. There there is only in this obedience that the Gospel gives is there this great joy and peace and this hope that is inspired. So write it down. Hope is inspired to please God when we live in obedience to God's commands. Verse 22, so, so rich. Oh, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Is that the story of your prayer life? Whatever you ask, you receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. See, when we pursue God's design, which is to please Him, it changes our hearts. 
And when we, when we love God, we desire to obey God. Look what it says in 1 John 5, 2. We know this one, but just as a reminder, by this we know that we, we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commands. We know that we love the children. We know that we are God's people. We know that, that we love the children and we are, we are pleasing God when we are keeping His commandments. And when we obey God, we are assured of our salvation and our hearts delight in God. And when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives us the desires of our heart. So why isn't God answering my prayer? Are you delighting yourself in the Lord? Because the Word of God says, when you delight yourself in the Lord, what does it say? What is the psalm? What is the psalm? We got it. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. How do I delight myself in the Lord? You love Him. And that love leads to obedience. And that obedience comes not because of willpower, but because of gospel power. say, well, why isn't God answering my prayer? Well, James says why. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You, You don't delight in God. God is a tool that you use to get what you want. And God is not a tool to be used. He is the most high to be worshipped, to be adored, to be honored and praised. And when He is in His right place, when He is our adoration, when He is our praise, our desire changes. But, but here's what's happened to some of you today. And it happens so easy. It happens to me all the time. Is that we get sidetracked and we get out of the, the practice of delighting and obeying God. And, and so we, we, we get focused on other things other than Him. And, and we lose. We lose the passion and the desire. Which affects our soul. You know, right now there's, <clears throat> there's all kinds of um, really good products out there that, that people can buy and purchase that will help them over... You know, one of them's like 24 days, another one's over over like 60 days or more. You know, where where a person can participate in their program and, and, and use these products for dietary uh, sustenance, and it will actually enable them to lose weight and begin to exercise. And one of the criticisms is, as people say, "Oh yeah, but as soon as it's over, they're probably going to gain more weight, and they're probably going to fall into to worse, uh, you know, eating patterns." And, and you know, that's true. Maybe they will. But I'm going to tell you what I've seen happen. I've seen people be able to get a handle on their appetite and begin to exercise and to begin to delight in health, to delight in feeling better, to delight in strength they didn't have before, to delight in being at a good weight. And you know what that delight has done? It's created a desire. And that desire overrides other desires. So the desire... To live healthy overrides the desire to eat something that tastes good or to take a nap instead of going for a jog or a walk. So it is in the Christian life. The gospel comes and the gospel allows us to to be made whole in Christ. And that affects our desire. That desire becomes to please and to honor Him. Now, there are other desires in our flesh that would say, 
don't trust God. You can't please Him all the time. You're, you're going to fall off the bandwagon. You're not going to be able to sustain this. And all of those facts are probably true. But don't forget the truth. And the truth is, God will never abandon you, and He will never give up on you. And His power is always present, and His love will always overwhelm. And if we will look to see Him as He is, and we will delight in Him, it will change who we are. And God will answer our prayers. And we will see His His Spirit. We will sense His Spirit at work through His Word. And here's what we'll sense deep in our soul. God is pleased with me. Doesn't mean you're perfect. What it means is that despite the facts that you have failed, and despite the facts that circumstances aren't premium, and despite the facts that, that, that other things are not the way they, they ought to be, God's love doesn't change. He is still the Almighty. He cares about you. And the fact that you trust Him, delight in Him, and love Him, and in that love, obey Him and honor Him, His pleasure is felt deep in your soul. And that pleasure of pleasing God inspires you with hope to please Him more. Now here today, there are those who would maybe say, I've got Christianity. i got Christ in my back pocket. I made this decision. Or there are some who, are, who would even say, you know what? You know, I believe in God, or, or I'm, I'm trying to believe in God, and I'm, I'm trying to do my best. But I'm going to tell you, that will not do Until you are right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, you will never please God. And until you please God, you will never delight in God. And if you don't delight in God, you won't love God. And if you don't love God, you won't obey God. And God won't bless you, because God doesn't bless sin. So there are some today, as we sing about the love of God in just a moment, you need to come and get on your knees, and you need to repent and believe and say, God, forgive me, because I've been delighting in earthly, worldly things, and, and you are my delight. You are my salvation. You are my hope. Forgive me. And He will save you. He will save you eternally. And He will become the delight of your life and you will be able to please God. Now some of you say, I am saved. But are you delighting in God? Do you sense down deep in your soul that you're pleasing God? See, there are a lot of Christians that are simply rule keepers. go to church, I give, I serve, I do what I'm supposed to do. Is there any delight? Are you driven by delight? If not, come and get on your knees and say, God, I've made this relationship about a to-do list. And you made it to be about a to-love list. Fact that you love me and I love you. And friends, when you're living in that love, it pleases God. And when you're pleasing God, He hears your prayers. And so, if you want this morning, if you want God to hear your prayers, come and get on your knees and say, God, I desire you. Make me to desire you. I want to love you. You love me, and I believe that. 
and then ask Him for a miracle. Ask Him to do what only He can do. Having repented and made your, your heart His so that your desire is right. Because where the Lord is, His desires of your heart and here's your prayers. And I want to invite you to do that right now, basking in the love of God. So let's stand together and let's pray. Father God, I know there are some who feel like I did as a second grade kid, school kid, feeling like they just can't please you. That they just can't, they just can't make this thing work. And Lord, that's, that, the fact is, we're right, we can't. But the truth is, you can and you will. If we will humble ourselves and get on our knees and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my, of my heart that's not yours. I delight in your love. I delight in who you are. And Father, until we feel the pleasure and the fact that you are pleased with our faith and pleased with our commitment, it, it just won't it just won't be right. We won't have hope. And so, Father, make that hope sure in the hearts of many and then enable them to ask you to do miracles. Ask them to save a marriage, save their marriage, save their family, heal their child, make, make their workplace different, transform the classroom they're in. God, whatever miracle is needed, I pray today that there will be those who have faith who will come and ask you to do what only you can do in the confidence that what they are asking is according to your will because they desire you. So, God, bless. Amen.